name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So turn to Joshua chapter 15. We're going to jump around a little bit. Today we're going to cover Joshua, the end of chapter 15, chapter 16, and chapter 17, or at least a few verses from those. Uh, You guys look really worried because some of you were in Sunday school with me this morning. Um, while you're turning to Joshua chapter um, 15, let me, let me let you know of an announcement that I forgot to tell you. So this coming Sunday morning, uh, as, we, as we get ready, uh, we're still in the process of design for our building, um, but, but we invite you to come to a prayer breakfast. It'll be at 8 o'clock from 8 to 9 down in the fellowship hall, and it's just a time where we can come together, we can fellowship, but we can also um, excuse me, spend some time praying for the building team as they go through the design process um, to get ready to present to you um, what we believe God is calling us to do. So that's this Sunday, um, March the 15th at 8 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall. Are you there yet? Can you hear me? (laughs) Joshua. You know, we've been been going through the book of Joshua, and, and if you'll remember, Joshua is the one who took the, the, really the baton of leadership from Moses. Moses was the man that God had used to lead the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Um, they went right to the promised land, didn't take them long, although 10 out of the 12 spies didn't believe that God could give them the land that he promised. Only two did, that was Joshua and Caleb. And so because of their disbelief, God pretty well uh, punished a generation of people. And so the the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. That whole generation died off, except for Moses, uh, maybe his family, Joshua, Caleb, and probably their families. So Joshua, right as Moses was nearing the end of his life, don't don't you, I I wish I read so many times in Scripture when this happens, and that would be awesome if, if that could happen to us all. They know their end is near, they have, have really been looking for someone to hand the baton of leadership off to. Moses handed it to Joshua, and then Joshua really took on the, the task uh, under the guidance of the Lord to lead the people into the promised land. And then we talked about that God's provision usually requires our work. Does that make sense to you? Now, I'm not talking about salvation. I I tried to clear that up really quickly Uh, last week. I'm just going to leave the top off this bottle and make it easier for me. Um, It's just water, just so you know. Um, I might need something stronger like coffee next week. God's provision often includes our work, not for salvation. Jesus did all the work for our salvation There is nothing we can do to add to that. Thank God. Also, there's nothing we can do to take away from that. I'm so glad. Jesus did all the work for our salvation, so we're not talking about that. But as the children of Israel get to the promised land, God says, I will give this land into your hands. And yet what we see is they had to go to war. They had to go and drive the people out of the lands. And so that's what we spent a lot of time watching. And Joshua went on this amazing war campaign where he basically swept through all of the major cities, north and south, in the promised land, and and 
And you would think that, man, it's woo, it's over now. Well, then the mop-up had to come. And, and so we, we get into, I believe it was chapter 14, 15, where he's talking about giving the inheritance to the children of Israel. Now, now this is just an odd thought. How many of you plan to work for the inheritance that you get from your parents or grandparents? Yeah, but we, we don't plan on that. And, and yet, what we see in Scripture is the children of Israel had to work for the inheritance. Um, and, and so this is kind of the way it went. I, I'll paraphrase for you just a little bit. Joshua would say, uh, okay, to, to, he gets to this place in, in this one. To the, to the tribe of Judah, I give these allotments of land. Now go drive those people out. <laughs> I'd be like, whoa, hang on a minute. That, that's like saying, son, I don't have a son, so I'll say daughter. I don't say daughter. That sounds weird. Honey. I don't know if I had a boy, if I'd call him honey or not. That would just be odd. Honey, I'm going to give you an inheritance when I die. And you only have to work for 50 years to get it. <laughs> yeah. Actually, my retirement plan is my kids, so I hope she's not planning on much inheritance for me. So that's kind of the way that it went. They they had to to drive them out. Now we saw Caleb, who had been quiet for some time, comes to Joshua and says, "Hey, do you remember God promised my inheritance would be the land that my foot my feet trod on? Remember when you and I went in as spies because you and I came back trusting, believing that God would give the land to us. God said that because you've trusted in me." All the, the land where your feet have trod, you will inherit. And, and so Joshua uh, was faithful to God's command and, and gave that as an inheritance to Caleb. And Caleb went in, and, and Caleb got busy. Remember we talked about last week the message was taking care of business? I mean, he went to town. He, he went in and cleared out. Well, now we get to the, the end of chapter 15, verse 63. And, and there's one, it's almost like a little footnote. After he, get, he drives all of them out from the land. Then it gets to verse 63, and here's what it says. But the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the people of Judah could not drive out. So the Jebusites dwell with the people of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. Now, that wasn't, that wasn't Caleb. But, but they were supposed to drive the people out, and, and they didn't, the Jebusites. Then, then let's jump ahead now chapter 16 verse 10 and it says however they did not drive the canaanites who lived in gezer so the canaan or they did not drive out the canaanites who lived in gezer so the canaanites who lived in the midst of ephraim to this day but have been made to do forced labor so so we're starting to see a little bit of a pattern caleb was faithful but we see some of these others who were called to go and drive the people out and they did mostly what they were called to do, but they, they left a little bit. Have you guys ever been there? Have you ever done that? You're called to do a job, and man, I got most of it done. Guys, we, we probably have, you know, 20 almost finished projects at home. Anybody? Is it just me? Okay. Um, 20 unfinished projects, because we, boy, we mostly got done. I got all my wood split. Well, except for the few pieces that I need to cut because they won't fit in my splitter and, and none of it's stacked right now. So I almost got done, didn't I? 
Um, and that worked okay until we got about 10 inches of snow. Um, fortunately, I brought some up on the porch. Then we get to, to chapter 17, and we see a very similar thing, verse 12 and 13. Yet the people of Manasseh, this is Manasseh's tribe, the people of Manasseh could not take possession of those cities, but the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in that land. They just weren't able to drive the Canaanites out. Then the very next verse says this, Now when the people of Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites into forced labor, but they did not utterly drive them out. You you see a pattern? Verse 17, Joshua reminds the tribes of Israel, what God had commanded them. Then Joshua said to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, the ones that didn't quite get the job done, you are a numerous people and have great power. You shall not have one allotment only, but the hill country shall be yours. For though it is forest, you shall clear it and give the wood to Pastor Larry. No, that's not right. You shall clear it and possess it to its farthest borders. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have chariots of iron and though they are strong. So so Joshua is reminding them, hey guys, God has called you to drive these people out of the lands. You cannot take as possession your inheritance, the land, while the people of the land are still occupying that land. It won't work. And yet that's what they were doing. They, 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 they got most of the job done. I, man, I, 90% of it. I got 90, ever, except these people. Man, I just I couldn't get these people out. You know what? Let's just let them stay. Then, then when, when the children of Israel were strong enough then to drive them out, they said, you know, we're stronger than they are now. You know what? We can get them to do our work for us. They can come stack our wood. And so they put them in the forced labor. The problem is that they didn't fully obey what God had commanded them to do. The title of the message this morning is Cleaning House. Anybody do spring cleaning? Do you still do that? I'm, I'm taking names down. Thank you. I'm going to write your name down. Oh, she does. No, I'm not going to tell her. Uh, Cynthia and I have not done that. Uh, and, and we realized something being here now for a good while, over 16 years. That when you have a wood-burning stove, even though you don't realize it, that soot goes everywhere. Did you guys know that? I found out when I moved the picture. That's what color the walls used to be. So, so this year, we're going to do spring cleaning. I say that because my daughter's here on spring break. No, we won't do it this week. But, but where, where you just go through just the stuff that, man, I want to be a filer. You can tell this by my office, but I'm a piler, you know. And, and where you just go in a room and you say, you know what, I'm just going to take everything out. I'm going to clean all the, all, you know what, I didn't even know we still had that. My goodness, we haven't used that in three years. We should store that in a shed because we might, you know, we should throw that away. To do spring cleaning. We're going to do that this year, but you know, sometimes we need to clean house in our own lives. Here's the problem with the children of Israel being mostly obedient. Obedience is only obedience when it's complete obedience. Does that make sense? Obedience is only obedience when it's complete obedience. Does anybody have in here one of your chores is taking out the trash? Anybody else? Here's what I found out. 
dude, I'm going to hire you. No. Here's what I found out. I can take the trash out, throw it in the back of my truck. And if that's as far as I get, at night we have the raccoon buffet at the Evans house. Now, now I, nobody's, I would say nobody's telling me. Someone's telling me to take the trash out usually. When my wife tells me to take the trash out, if it only gets to my truck, that's not all the way, is it? If I told, if I told my kid to take the trash out and she made it halfway up the hill, it's not a big hill, but it's a steep hill, halfway up the hill and left it on the side and didn't get it up to the dumpster, and she came back and said, honey, did you take the trash out? And she said, yeah, well, most of the way. Did she really take the trash out? Yeah, all the teenagers are going, yes. No, no. Obedience is only obedience when it's complete obedience. Doing most of what God tells us to do isn't really obedience. Because I know you, and you know me, and you know we're going to pick the parts that we want to do, if if that's how it's going to be. If we can mostly obey God and he considers that obedience, I'm going to pick the parts I want. I took the trash out. Man, it made it all the way to the dining room. <laughs> I, I, I took the trash out. In our lives, and this is hard, um, I, I told them in the beginning of our Sunday school class I was going to rattle their cages a little bit, so I'll just tell you ahead of time. This is hard, all right? But we as believers need to realize that we can't let sin abide in our life. We need to clean house. I'm not going to go calling off things. I didn't get a call from the police about any of you. Um, I did get a call from a couple of parents. No, I'm kidding. But you know what? Here's what we think as believers. I'm not as bad as that guy. I'm not as bad as her. I'm not that bad. I'm okay. When, when in Peter, God calls us, the, the book of Peter, he calls us to be holy as he is holy. And, and I know what we think. Immediately, we're all thinking, well, nobody's perfect. And, and that's right. But we still need to be obedient. And here's what happens, all right? Sin that is allowed to abide is sin that has not died. I know that's corny sounding, but it's true. Sin that has been allowed to abide is sin that has not died. You know, if the glove don't fit, no, never mind. Here's, uh, let, let, me, let me give you a little illustration. L- let's say, let's say I'm going to get you a pet, okay? I've got eight of them, so I, I got one. One of them's on his last leg, so we, we're going to hang on to him. Let's say I'm going to get you a pet, and I'm going to buy you a pet rattlesnake. Okay? Um, oh, I thought you were raising your hand. That was what I was going to ask. Who, who wants the pet rattlesnake? You know, there's always got to be a few. I'm just saying. So, so I'm, I'm going to give it to you. All right? This is made up. I just want you to, know, I want you to be disappointed. I'm going to give you the pet rattlesnake. And, and you guys are just going to let it roam around in your house, aren't you? He's going to sleep with you, keep you warm at night. It'll actually work the other way. He's a reptile. Um, 
when I say we all, that's absurd, isn't it? Who, I mean, I would say who would want a pet rattlesnake, but I saw four hands go up real fast. We, we don't keep rattlesnakes as pets because they bite. They kill. They're poisonous. But, but sometimes, sometimes we kind of do that with sin, don't we? We kind of have, we treat sin as like our little pet. Yeah, it's, a, it's all right. It's not bad. You know, ra- you know, rattlesnakes, they don't bite all the time. Did you know that? That rattlesnake won't bite you every time it sees you. Just when you're close enough. <laughs> and that's saying, you know what? That, 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 that's only a problem for me sometimes. I, I, boy, I don't really need to get rid. I tell you what, I got rid of all that other stuff. I don't cuss anymore. I don't smoke anymore. I don't drink anymore. I don't chew anymore. I don't even kiss girls who do. That's true. My wife doesn't do any of that. <laughs> I didn't do most of that. Um, some of it, anyways. And we can look at all those things that we've gotten rid of and say, you know what, God, I'm not that bad. You know what, man, I got rid of all that. Surely, surely I can keep this little pet sin right here. I mean, it, it's not, it, it bites sometimes, but not often. I, I can deal with it most of the time. We can't keep pet sin. Let's look now to the, the New Testament. Here's what Paul says in the book of Colossians. This is chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. If then, so this is for those of you who have trusted Christ, if then you have been raised with Christ, and if you've trusted in Christ, you have. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Here's what Paul is saying. Listen, once you become believers, once you become Christians, once you become followers of Jesus, you're not supposed to live like the world anymore. You're different. You're not the same. You're a new creation. He says, set your mind. So how do we do that? Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Now, that's kind of hard, isn't it? How many of you have to go to work tomorrow? Only five people. Dang. I, I do, sort of. I, I really like what I'm doing, so it doesn't feel like work a lot. That's hard when you hit Monday morning and you go to work. And you get back in the routine of stuff. You know what? You've got to empty the litter box. You've got to take the dogs out. I'm sorry, that's me. Um, You've got to stack the wood. You've got to split the wood. You, know, you go to work. You come home. and You do all these things. It's hard not to have our mindset on things that are on the earth. And yet, that's what we're called to do. We're called to, even in the midst of living this world, to set our mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. Why? Paul says, because you've died. You've died. Have you ever talked to someone, maybe some of you have had this, that have had a near-death experience? You've stared death in the face, and somehow you still came out alive on the other side. I've talked with people who have been there, and they say things like this, I've been given a second chance. I've been given a new lease on life. Paul says that's the way that we should look at things. Listen, without Christ, we were doomed for hell. We were condemned by our sin. You've died, but you've been risen. You've been raised to walk with Christ. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You, that old life is gone. You've been given a new lease on life if you're in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you will also appear with him in glory. It's different for us who are believers. 
And so as, as Christians, this part that, you know, we were justified, you've, you've heard that term, when we came to faith in Christ, we're justified. Here's a simple way to know what that means. It's just as if I'd never sinned because Jesus paid the price for our sin. The penalty for our sin is done. That's why Romans 8, 1 says there's therefore now no condemnation. That's not ugly words spoken to you. We still get that, don't we? But it means that we're not condemned for our sin anymore. Why? Because Christ died for our sin on the cross. He took the punishment. He took the condemnation. So as Christians in this part in between, someday we'll be glorified when he comes back to to take us or we go to meet him. We'll be glorified. We'll be changed. We'll be like him. But in the meantime, there's this thing that's called sanctification. We're being sanctified. We're being made into the image of Christ. And it's in this time that we need to learn how to clean house. Paul says three things in here, and then don't worry, we're we're almost finished with the introduction. No. Three things Paul tells us in here. How, how do we do that? Well, first of all, we have to put some things to death. In, in verse 5, he says this. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death, therefore, what is worldly in you. That is not the things that are of above, not, not the things that are of God, but the things of the world. And boy, there are a lot. Some of it is just the world's mindset. We are so influenced by the world i i I won't go off on one of my soapboxes this morning but but i could just say a couple of things to you and you say oh that's so crazy and i said well why is that what's because we've been we've been influenced by the world we've been pressed into a mold by the world he says put to death therefore what is earthly in you what is worldly in you and then he names a few things sexual immorality impurity passion evil desire and covetousness that's where you want something else you know that always the grass is greener on the other side um in here it's there's grass on the other side but the grass is greener that that wanting something you don't have that's covetousness and paul says that's that's idolatry you're you're making that your idol and on account of these things the wrath of god is coming in these you too once walked this is the way you used to be paul says when you were living in them Paul says, put those to death. Kill them. Now, now, I don't like snakes. You can probably figure that out just a little bit. Um, we used to have a corn snake. My oldest daughter had a corn snake. I'm going to grow some of you out. That's right. It's a good, good diet um, plan. You had to feed this corn snake. These, they call them pinkies. You know what those are? They're, they're, they're little baby mice who don't have hair yet. I know it's gross, isn't it? Why would she ever want a corn snake? A deacon's kid gave it to us. That's why pastor's kids are getting so much trouble. Deacon kids. Anyways, that's where she got the tarantula too. We got our weird things. She had to feed that thing. And, and, and I watched this happen, and, and some things is apparent. You ever watch something, your kids, it, it's like they're running headlong into a wall, but you can't stop it? And, and I watched this, and she's trying to, you know, we didn't touch them because that's gross. So she's trying to get it out of this little package that we bought at the pet store. And she's shaking it, and she's shaking it, and she's focused on trying to get that out. I'm watching the snake. And that snake's like, hey, there's some food. And that snake bit, and it missed the package and got, got Hillary's finger. I don't like snakes. I know they eat mice. I don't like mice either. I've never been bitten by a mouse, though. But, but if, if you... If there's a rattlesnake in my house, it's not going to live for very long. 
I've got nine reasons it won't live. Ten, really. One is my wife. Eight of them are four cats and four dogs. And the other one is me. I'm, I'm not going to live in a house with a rattlesnake. I'm going to kill that thing. Why? Because I don't want to get hurt by the rattlesnake. Now, I know we can't get rattlesnakes up here. Timber rattlers are about 7,500. Um, is that right? If it's not true, don't tell me. That's what I'm banking on. <laughs> if there's a rattlesnake in my house, it's not going to live. It's going to die. It might be messy. There may be holes shot in my floor. Some of our law enforcement have to come check some things out, make sure everybody is okay. It's not going to live long, okay? Paul says that's the way we need to treat sin. We need to put it to death. But that's not all. Paul also says that there are some things we need to put away. In, in verses 8 through 11, he says, but now you must put them all away. And then he names some other things. Now, some of us up in that other, we might have said, oh, I don't have any problem with any of those. That's good. And, and that is good. But then Paul, Paul kind of zeroes in a little bit on some things we might struggle with. Paul says, but you must put them all away, anger. Now, James says, be angry, but in your anger, don't sin. But man, I tell you, that's hard, isn't it? Parents, sometimes we need to be in timeout, don't we? In fact, if I had thought about this when my kids were little, whenever they did something wrong and I got mad, I should have told them, honey, daddy's going to go in timeout or you're going to get hurt really bad. <laughs> Dad's going to have to go calm down a little bit. Because when we're angry, it's hard not to act. In that Paul says, put away anger, put away wrath. How many of you, I know you've thought it, if you haven't said it, I don't get mad, I get even. Just wait. What goes around comes around, right? Put away anger, put away wrath, put away malice, put away slander. Man, that's hard. Put away obscene talk from your mouth. Guys, I almost said something I'd get in trouble for. We may not gossip like we think other people do. <laughs> but boy, you get a bunch of us together. Has this ever happened? You start telling jokes. Only got about five that are, I can remember that I can tell. But I don't stop after the five if everyone else is telling, oh, I got one better than that. These three blondes walk into a bar. You'd think the third one would have walked around. That's only one of them I can tell. We we can, guys, if we're not careful, our language can really get us, can it? And it may not, we might not say a, a cuss word anywhere in there, but boy, our, our jokes sure aren't God-pleasing, are they? When I told that joke, I saw about 10 blonde ladies here. I'm going to run real quick when I pray. <laughs> Paul says, put those aside. Don't lie to one another. Be honest and truthful, seeing that you've put off the old self. Listen, that's the way we used to be. That's the way the world is. We're not supposed to be that way. Put that off. And have put on the new self 
which is being renewed, that's a sanctification, being renewed in knowledge and after the image of its creator, namely Jesus. And and in this, there's not Greek, there's not Jew, there's not circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. What he's saying is, listen, we realize we're all in the same boat here with this thing, aren't we? I heard a pastor one time say, the only person who doesn't struggle with sin is the one who's given in, right? We're all in the same boat. Paul says, look, all of us, we all need to put those things away. It doesn't matter if you grew up in church and you had all 66 books of the Bible memorized by age two and can pronounce every name in the Old Testament by age five. Or you're like me and you didn't come to faith in Christ till you're 15 or maybe till you're 30. Paul says, look, all of us need to put these things away. And then the last thing, we'll, we'll close with this. I still have three points on my closing, so don't even get excited. There's some things that Paul tells us we need to put on. Colossians 3.12 and 15 says this, put on then as God's chosen ones. Don't you love that? This is chosen one. His children put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Now, I don't know about you, but in a discussion of my sin, I kind of need this at the end to remember that, that God, those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed in the image of Christ. He's going to make me like Jesus. Don't you love that? The God in his foreknowledge, those who are in Christ, that we're chosen. We're his. And we're holy. And you're like, I don't feel holy. We just got through talking about my sin. Yes, but we are set aside for him. We are beloved. He loves us like we will never fully understand. Put on compassionate hearts. Kindness. <laughs> we say that to our kids. Don't be kind one to another. I used to say that with clenched teeth sometimes. You two just need to get along. I don't know what happened with three kids. That might have been a distraction. We, we might have, should have tried that. I don't know. Humility. Meekness. Patience. Bearing with one another. It's not going to be easy. The, the, the word that there is, is bearing up under one another. It goes right along with the word long-suffering, which describes it all. You suffer along with them. You put up with them. If one has a complaint against one another, I would probably say when one has a complaint against one another, what do you do? Beat the snot out of them. No. Forgiving one another. (laughs) As the Lord has forgiven you. Did you deserve to be forgiven? No. Then you should forgive others who don't deserve to be forgiven. And above all, above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you're called in one body. And I love this. Paul just throws this in kind of and be thankful. Why? Because we know where we came from. We know the way we used to be. We know that God's working in our hearts and none of this stuff can we do in our own power. We, we, We just have to rely on the Holy Spirit to do that. That 
That's one of the cool things. I can't make myself like Jesus. I can't. The Holy Spirit does that. I just need to be obedient. I just need to be, need to be receptive to the Holy Spirit working in my hearts. And you know, he does. And, and he might like just kind of tap on your heart. Hey, go tell that person about Jesus. We say, uh-uh, that's a pastor's job. No, just be obedient. Hey, you know what? You need to quit doing that. You need to give that up. Let the Holy Spirit work and change you into the image of Christ. Let me give you one really practical way that you can start doing that. Because I know when I say that, you know, we're like, well, that's why it's a pet sin. I couldn't get rid of it. (laughs) And then when I could, I didn't really want to, like they did with the Canaanites. When they were strong enough to get rid of them, they're, hey, you know what? This might be useful. Here's the first step we can take in this. Let the word of Christ, this is verse 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Because... Because when you come to faith in Christ, here's one thing that you need to know. Jesus changes everything. He changes everything. So today, could we just, could we just surrender it to him? In fact, I like, to, I like to encourage you to pray dangerous prayers. You want a dangerous prayer? You ready? I dare you to pray this. Actually, you saw Christmas story. I triple dog dare you. Can't back down out of that. I dare you to pray this. God, would you search every area of my heart? Would you open every door, look in every corner, under every bed? God, would you search every area of my heart? And if there's anything that's not pleasing to you, Lord, would you take it away? And then, when he does, because I promise you he will, would you just confess that and say, God, I I just give that to you. Now, there are some things that we've struggled, we've done that before with, and then we find ourselves right back in the same boat. In that case, what you might do is find a godly man or a godly woman to go to and say, hey, God's really been convicting me of this, and I just, I just want to share this with you, and I want you to help keep me accountable. And it's got to be somebody you really trust. It's got to be someone you know to be a godly man or a woman, but just, just one person, I just, I just need you to ask me about this. And don't let me off the hook. And hold me accountable. That's what he says here, teaching one another and admonishing one another. Because we need one another in the body of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, it's easy for us to just kind of forget about some of the things in our house. Other people see it. We, we just, we don't even see it anymore. Maybe it's the corner that we never get around to cleaning or the, the pile that just has been there long enough now. We don't even see it anymore 
Yeah, that can happen in our hearts too. And sometimes we think, well, we've done most of what you've called us to do, God. Surely that's enough. And, and yet, Lord, we know that your desire for us is that we become more and more like Christ. And, and so, God, would you, this morning, would you give us the courage and the boldness to confront our sin, big or small, no matter how we think of it? Lord, would you give us the, the boldness to to just put it to death, just kill it, and then God, just get rid of it. And Lord, we know that, that whenever we do that, that what you want us to do is, is you want us then to put on the things of Christ. And actually, most of what we read in your word from the Apostle Paul really is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, would you would you give us the courage and the boldness to put to death our sin, to put away our sin? And then, Holy Spirit, would you just change our hearts as we spend time in, in your word? Would you just use that to change us, to, to let your word richly dwell in us, to let it be the thing that's at the tip of our tongue always, at the, at the front of our minds always? So that in in any instance or or situation that that your word is dwelling and and, and it is what comes forth. And God, I I pray that you would give us, just give us that courage and boldness. and, And God, we pray this prayer, even though we're afraid to. God, would you just search my heart, open every door, Look in every corner. Turn over anything you need to turn over. And if there's anything in us that's displeasing to you, any sin that we've let stay, would you convict us of that? Draw us to you. Help us to to, to repent. Confess that to you. And then, Holy Spirit, would you change us? make us more like Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.